Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another special episode of My Feminine Heart. I am your host, Cassandra Storm, and today I am interviewing our couple of the month, Cindy and Janelle Crossley. First, we will be speaking with Cindy as she shares a story of what it was like to fall in love with Janelle, get married, have Janelle come out to her, and what their 40-year marriage has been like since. I'd like to give a very big welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Cindy Crossley. Cassandra, thank you for, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Please tell me, what was it like for you? Uh, where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Camp Hill, so I'm not too far from where I grew up from. I was a good kid. Uh, my parents were very strict, very conservative. I um, yeah, just had a normal everyday childhood, nothing special, nothing spectacular. Are you from a big family or a small family? Small family, small family. What was it like for you when you first met Janelle? How old were you? I was, oh, maybe 18, I think, when I first met her. Uh, she was Richard. She had a big brown lifted pickup truck and I was wanting a ride in it. She worked for my parents. And one weekend she asked me out to take a ride in that pickup truck and we went four wheeling and had a really good time and we kept dating after that. What were some of the things that attracted you to Richard? Mm -hmm. um, when you met her so young? Uh, I knew his family and I knew him partially from working with my parents. Uh, he was very masculine back then, lifted weights, very Don't much into that. vehicles and things like that. We had a lot of similar interest at the time. How long were you together before you got married? Probably a little over a year. Yeah, it was probably a little over a year. And at the time, did you know that Richard uh, was trans? No, I did not. Had no clue whatsoever. So when did you find out? We were married probably about six months. And when he said, I have something I need to tell you. And he actually said, I enjoy dressing up in women's clothing sometimes. Now you were from a strict family. did, And mm -hmm. this was like... 40 years ago, did you know what that meant? No clue. No clue. No resources back then. No internet back then. No one to talk to back then. So what was it like for you? What was your instinct when you first heard that? First heard it because it wasn't very often. So it didn't seem like much of anything terrible. You know, I just like, okay, once in a while. Okay you know, role play, whatever. Didn't think too much more of it at that point till it progressed. As Richard started to present um, as Janelle dressing occasionally, did she dress in front of you or did she keep it private from you? I asked her to keep it private. I didn't really want to watch. Now, so I did ask her to keep that private. How long were you married before you had your daughter? Uh, let's see, Bonnie was born in 81. So we were married over a year. 
So um, Richard had come out mm-hmm. to you um, mm-hmm. about six months into your marriage. And then about six months or so later, you had your, your daughter, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so back then, was Richard presenting as Janelle in the home or leaving and, and going out and socializing because you had a young one in the house? Started just in the home every so often. And then over time, it grew more often. And I'd say a few years later, maybe two, three years later, then she wanted to go out. She wanted to be seen outside the home as herself. And that was hard because I didn't understand it back then. I had no clue. There were no books. There was no one to talk to. Where you know, we- and if you did say something to someone, they felt it was a mental illness or something along that lines. Did you think it was a mental illness back then? In the beginning, to be honest, yes, I did, because I didn't know any better. And you didn't have any confidants, anybody that you could share this with? No, no, not back then. As you became aware of um, the dressing, did you Mm -hmm. learn about other people doing this? Or, you know, sometimes when you first hear about something, you become more aware of it in movies or in the news? No, not for years, not for decades. Not for decades. Wow. Because we're talking back in the 1980s. You know, you didn't have internet back then. That didn't come along until later. So So it was probably in the 90s, early 90s, that I actually found other people who were in similar situations. What did you think Richard was doing when he would dress and then go out to socialize her out in the town did you know did he have friends did you know where he was going or what he was doing no I did not not in the beginning and then I found out he would just go to the mall and walk around the mall those types of things I don't think back then he had too many friends that he confided in or that he trusted so no support groups or social circles in the trans community not at that point no What did it feel like for you when he would leave the house dressed and presenting as Janelle? Scared, scared my neighbors would find out, scared my friends would, you know, you're out in public, you're at a mall, you don't know who you'll run into. You don't know who's gonna see you and maybe figure it out. Did anyone ever see her? If they did back then, the only one that saw her around later on was my daughter saw her one time. But if any one of my friends had seen, they did, they never said. Your daughter saw her. Was this the first time she saw Janelle? Yeah, she saw her. My daughter was 16 when she saw her at the mall. Didn't wow. say anything, just kept going the other way. How, how did she know that that was her dad? I don't, well, the car. I think she saw her getting out of the car. That would be it. Cars are very telling. (laughs) So she made it 16 years in your home um, Mm -hmm. without her finding out. How did you keep it from her? Janelle would typically wait till Bonnie was in her room or when she was younger, when she was asleep. And then she would go out because, you know, young kids have early bedtimes. And of course, teenagers, you know, are on their phone or, you know, whatever in the room. So it was kind of easy as long as the door shut to sneak by. 
No. And then she would just make sure she come home late enough that no one was awake. Now, when Bonnie found out, how did she react? Did she tell when, you? She did not tell me to years later that she had seen her out in public. Wow. I didn't know that till years later. So did there come a point when you decided to come out, you and Janelle, to come out to Bonnie? Yeah, when Janelle transitioned full-time and changed her name and was ready to go to work and be public as Janelle, we sat down with Bonnie and the grandkids and we, we explained everything. So for Bonnie, years had passed. Years. Yes. Many years had passed. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's back up. Um, so Bonnie's about 16. Janelle's mm -hmm. going out regularly. When did things change for you? Did you, did, was there a point when you started finding resources on the internet or that Janelle started to make friends? When did this go from Janelle being kind of a solo artist, mm -hmm. you being scared at home? When did that lifestyle change? Oh, probably about 10, 15 years ago. And what, what sparked that change? She had gone to a couple support groups, uh, transgender support groups, and then finally told me about those. And I had gone along to one of the TCPA meetings and I met the spouses group. How was that for you? Was that your first experience with anyone else who was trans? Yes. Yeah, it was a little scary at first. I didn't know what to expect. And everyone was so welcoming, so open. You could ask anyone questions. It didn't, it didn't matter. They were there to educate and support. At that moment, did you understand that Janelle was trans or did you still think of her as my husband, Richard, who sometimes likes to dress? I think at that point, I was still borderline cross-dresser versus someone who's actually trans. And what was it like after that first support group? Were you starting to realize there was more to the story? I didn't know the spectrum was so large that you could fall in different areas of the spectrum that I had no idea till then. How was your marriage, if you don't mind, I ask um, to Richard before this moment? Um, you know, you, you had this big secret that you kept together was it like the two of you against the world or, you know, were, did you feel like you were supportive or was this a begrudging thing? How, how was it for you back then when you were alone and, and you didn't have many people to talk to or anyone? In the beginning, I think it was very begrudging and I was very negative and nasty towards the whole thing. Cause like anyone, anyone that goes through this, you have the binging with addressing, then you had the purging and I'm not gonna do it again. And then all of a sudden you start to see clothes and wigs and things come back into the house and you know it's gonna start up again. And each time the binging and purging, it just cycles more frequently. And I guess till I met a support group, I, I just was not a nice person about the whole thing. There'd be many fights over it. And how did Janelle respond to that? And I, I, it sounds like you did the absolute best that you could. I would not feel, yeah. I would not feel bad. I mean, we had our fights. She'd get rid of the clothes for a while or promise not to do it for a while. Then I wouldn't understand why we're doing it again. Why are we cycling through this again? 
because back then I didn't know. I had no idea what was going on. So you said about 10 to 15 years ago mm-hmm. was when you first came across the first support groups. That would have been maybe the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yes. What was it like after that? Did you yourself pursue um, reaching out to spouses or learning more on your end, or did you slowly do this together? I did. I actually joined uh, the Trans Central PA, and I was working with Sarah was part of the support group then she was leading it and I was actually working with her and I kind of also reached out out to other spouses or any family members didn't have to be a spouse or family members who just didn't understand what was happening or just needed someone to talk to and I had worked with the group for several years before I before I walked away from it. What was it like for you to find that support group and those other spouses? A breath of fresh air because then you realize you're not alone and we're pretty much all going through the same things, the same feelings. Did you see changes in your marriage as you started going to the support group? I did. I did because I was more understanding. I understood what was going on, why it was happening, and I had a better idea whether Janelle realized it or not at the time, but what our future could look like. Wow. Yeah, it's, it wasn't easy. Uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of tears, a lot of anger, a lot of heartache. But it took both of us to work through it as a team to come out the other side and still be together. And how many years passed from that first support group where you first went to the moment when Janelle realized she needed to transition and it was time to tell the kids and grandkids? I'd say several years, maybe a year or two. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, what happened when you told Bonnie? Is that, did she share at that moment that, hey, I knew all along? She kind of said I knew, but she didn't really come out and burst a bubble like that. She left Janelle, explain it to her. And then she's like, yeah, I kind of knew. I kind of had my inklings. But she didn't know, I guess, to what extent that her father was going to be Janelle, no longer just dad. How did she react to that news? She reacted really well, which I think is part of, you know, the younger generation. They accept things like that a little bit better, a little easier for them. But it took several months till she actually met Janelle. She just didn't, she had to process it in her own head before she actually saw her. And did the two of you tell her together? Did you tell her just yourself or? Geez, I don't remember. I think I was there and I just stayed in the background when Janelle told her. And how did you tell the grandkids? And how long did you wait between telling Bonnie and then telling the the grandkids? I want to say it wasn't that terribly long. We had talked to Bonnie about it, how we were going to do it. And Janelle went and bought little transformers, like their little cars that transform into people. Mm-hmm. And we sat down at a picnic table outside and we were explaining what transformers do, how they're one form, and then they transform into something else. And that's how Janelle came out and explained it to the grandkids that I'm Pap, but Pap's transforming into Janelle. And they were all, they were super great about it. And they stayed, we had dinner. And when we were, when we were ready to go, 
Joe turned around and goes, oh, I guess I can call her Miss Fancy Pants now. Wait, Joe, is so, Joe your grandson? Joe's my grandson. <laughs> so I, I had a laugh. He was extremely accepting and he was the one I was worried about the most. Wait, where did Miss Fancy Pants come from? Joe has Joeisms, so they come out every once in a while. And that was just one of his Joeisms. <laughs> did did he think of um, Janelle when Janelle was pap as being fancy, like a fancy pap? Oh, definitely not. No, this was flannel shirts and jeans guy, not fancy whatsoever. <laughs> um, and for Janelle now, um, mm -hmm. you know, when she's around, you know, the kids and the grandkids, uh, how does it feel with everybody together? It feels normal. It feels natural. We were just down over this past weekend and they played board games together. Joe won, of course, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just feels natural. It just feels like a normal everyday family. And they call her Janelle. Joe doesn't use pap anymore. They call her Janelle and not, it's just normal. Not like a, 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 a Grammy or something like that. No, just Janelle. Now, were you worried at all when Janelle was transitioning? Was she still working or retired at the time? No, she's still working. She was still working. So, of course, she went through the protocol at work to tell HR that she's transitioning, and they lined up some support for anyone who had questions about it or maybe had a hard time with it, that her employer had someone there on site that they could talk to. And they lined it up and they had a date that she was going to come out. And on that date, they had a meeting and introduced her. That's and it, it did go, it did go really as smooth as what I just said. If there weren't any hiccups, I was amazed by the whole process. You do make it sound like it was pretty easy breezy. It was for her. I was really shocked how easy it was for her to transition at work and that there were no repercussions. There were no no one was snarky. No one was saying things about her that we know of behind her back or anything. Everyone seems super welcoming. Now, how do you feel like with your relationship now? Are you and Janelle close? Yeah, I think we're close. I think, you know, I don't think it pulled us apart. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it did at all. And how involved are you still now with any support groups or is that kind of part of the past? Kind of part of the past, what had happened several years ago, because I had a job change. So I'm not really available on weekends anymore when the support group would meet. So I pulled away from everything. And plus where I live now, it's more of a distance to travel there. And like we're meeting on Zoom today. I really think there's other alternatives than meeting in person, especially for people who maybe aren't local to the area and would drive an hour or more to get to a support meeting, to be there for an hour, then leave. I think there's just other ways of connecting. When you reflect back, what advice would you give somebody who wants to come out to their spouse? Be honest. I know it's hard. I know a lot of times Janelle and I would argue and you know, you, you go to say something your, to your spouse and they start to second guess what you're saying and are like three steps ahead of you, but they're going in the wrong direction. I used to write letters to her and I'd say everything I had to say in the letter and then I'd walk away, you know, 
read it. Maybe she'd read it once, maybe she'd read it twice till it sunk in. I think sometimes if you can't have an open and honest dialogue, because maybe it's gonna turn into a fight or whatever, write a letter, hand it to your spouse. Say, I have something to tell you, but I think this is my better way of expressing it to you. That way the other person doesn't get you off track of what you wanna say and maybe misunderstand what you're trying to say. If you could go back and give advice to a spouse, mm -hmm. um, you know, looking back on what the journey was like for you, do you have any advice that you would share? Don't draw a hard line. Don't draw a hard line on the ground and say, we're not going past this because you don't know what that other person's going through. You don't know what that trans person's turmoil is going on. Draw your lines in the sand. My thing is try to go through it together. It's not a race, it's a journey. And if both parties understand it's a journey, take it one step at a time and wait for the other person to catch up to where you're at, then move forward again. I think that's great advice. So what's in the future for the two of you? What does the next year, five years, 10 years look like? Good question. We were talking about that. I might be adding more workload on me. I decided to take a course. So I was going to initially say retirement, but I might be pushing that back a little bit, but Janelle might be retiring. So she can become, she can become the chef of the house. <laughs> that sounds like it'll be um, a pretty great deal. Yeah, I'm hoping so. <laughs> I think it's only fair. I cooked for 40 years. It's her turn. Yep. I'd say it's time. Get ready, Janelle. Cindy, <laughs> thank you so much for your honesty and for sharing everything today. Um, I cannot thank you enough for, for your time. And I know that there are people who are listening and watching this who, um, you know, they, they want to take this step with their spouse and they don't know how. And you know, just your story is going to be able to help give them that guidance and hopefully make it a little easier for the next spouse during their transition. So thank yeah. you. And, you know, speak to a professional if you have to about it. You know, even as a couple, go as a couple and speak to a professional about it. It can help open communications and help guide you through the journey. Well, it certainly sounds like you two have a great dialogue now. I'm so grateful that we have the resources for people now that they didn't, you know, 40 years ago. Yes. I really commend you for, you know, pushing through without the resources, without the support, um, because it certainly sounds like you two have a pretty beautiful family right now. I think we do. I really do. I think we've came, we've come a long way. And I'm here to, if anyone has questions, would like to reach out to me, I'm, I'm here. You can pass along my contact information. Thank you, Cindy. Mm -hmm. And up next, um, I will be interviewing your wife, Janelle. And then if you don't mind, I'm going to bring the two of you back together for a conversation with the three of us. Sure. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh Welcome back, everyone. We just concluded with Cindy Crossley's interview, and now we welcome her wife, Janelle. 
Janelle, welcome to My Feminine Heart, and thank you so much for taking your time to share your story with us. Thank you, and thank you for having me on, and I am more than happy and excited to share my story um, in hopes that, you know, we can help other people within their transition and within the gender identity spectrum um, support their spouses and support their children, you know, on this very, very long, hard journey. Well, I'd like to congratulate you as you just became the recipient of the Kira Christine Award. Um, Kira Christine had passed away a couple years ago, and uh, I had the honor of photographing her and her fiance, Sarah Grace, at Keystone in 2019 for their engagement pictures. Uh, congratulations on winning the award. For anybody who doesn't know who Kira Christine and her story, can you share a little with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kiara Christine, I've, I saw her on Facebook and she was having issues with um, her transition and trying to understand, you know, which way she wanted to go, um, you know, what she wanted to do and when she wanted to do it. Um, so she reached out to me um, because I am an advocate for gender identity in Central PA. And she reached out to me and asked me if I would help her. And, you know, I will not say no to anybody. Um, so I said, yes, absolutely. So we worked over me via messenger, via telephone, um, via email. And we developed, I told her she needed to develop a plan to come out. Um, she was afraid of her family not supporting her and accepting her. Um, she didn't know what to do about her job. She worked for UPMC Pinnacle. And um, she was afraid to come out at work. So I said, well, sit down and we'll make up a plan and we will follow the plan. And the plan that we made up was the same plan that I used in my coming out. So um, it works. And to make a long story short, I made probably five or six trips up to Erie, Pennsylvania. That's where Kiara lived. And her and I met and we had a lot of conversation. And, you know, I got her out, to, out in public a little bit. And she was becoming more and more comfortable and confident with herself. Um, so we ended up that the mom, Kiara's mom, would not support or accept her. She could not understand what was going on. And I told Kiara, I said, you know, I will come up there and meet with her and you and your kids and we'll resolve this issue. And she said, no, she said it won't work. I said, yes, it will. It will work. I said, keep, you trust in me. You know, I mean, you call, she called me her trans mom. Um, you know, so I said, you know, listen to your trans mom. You're always supposed to listen to your mother. <laughs> um, you know, so um, she said, okay. So I went up, Cindy and I both went up and um, Cindy stayed with the kids while I talked to the mother and I explained to the mother what's happening. You know, I said, I wanna hear your story, you know, and what your concerns were and why you won't support Kiara for, for be, becoming your daughter, which she was your daughter from birth. Um, so then I explained all that. And I, said, I asked her, I said, are you ready to meet Kiara? And she said, yes. So I brought Kiara in and I told Kiara, I said, Kiara, you need to tell your mom how you feel. I said, I want you to tell her the, the honest truth of how you feel. She says, I can't. I said, yes, you can. I said, I drove the whole way up here I said, you're gonna do it. And um, she did. And the mom kind of started crying and started, you know, kind of yelling back and forth. And I said, whoa, whoa, 
I said, we're not here for this. I said, we're not here for hate and bigotry. Um, you know, I just talked to you, mother, and I just talked to you, Kiara. We want this to be civil. I said, we're not going to get anywhere unless it's civil. So they did. They both calmed down. And um, to make a longer story short again, that um, mom did accept and support Kiara. Um, they hugged and they were best friends up until the, the end of Kiara's life. Um, I met with the kids the same way after the mother and Kiara and her two children, they were inseparable after that. Um, you know, so my journey with Kiara um, was a monumental point in my life. And she became an advocate because she always said that I want to be like Janelle. She said, Janelle, I always want to be like you. And I said, you will. I said, you will. So, cause she, she kind of had my personality and my demeanor and things like that. So we're, we were pretty good that way. But um, she wanted to become an advocate for gender identity and up in the Erie area. And with UPMC Pinnacle, she became an advocate for UPMC Pinnacle as far as developing policy for the company um, on gender identity uh, issues. And also she was a teacher. She educated staff um, you know, on gender issues. So she, she became a huge advocate. Um, you know, she participated in pride events, um, was very vocal and um, she ended up, she, she lived out her um, wishes of being like me and she was like me. And I think if she would have survived, she probably would have been surpassed me, <laughs> um, you know, which I'm, I'm glad, I'm proud to say that. Um, but um, when she passed away, they, uh, the Department of Health and the LGBTQ plus committee um, came up with the inaugural Kara Christine Award. And that award is supposed to be awarded to um, one of the best advocates in Pennsylvania. And they put the nomination out probably close to a year ago. And uh, I knew a couple people that nominated me, but I didn't know how many. Um, so it ended up being, you know, close to 50, 60 nominations in my name. Um, you know, so they read every, every nomination and um, I was chosen. And the way they presented the award to me was, is they contacted Kiara's ex-wife and had her children present that award to me. So that meant the world to me. Um, it, meant, it meant so much. What an honor. And to have so many people recognize what an advocate you are in the community and the relationship that you had with Kiara. Um, congratulations. Thank I that that's an, an amazing story. And uh, I can only imagine that if she was still with us today, what the two of you would be accomplishing together. Yeah, what, is, yeah. what is your life like now as a trans advocate, you know, for 50 to 60 people in the state to be labeled as one of the top advocates in the state? What does that mean? How are you spending your days in advocacy? Um, my days are very, very, very busy. 
Um, you know, I'm getting requests all the time for help and advice and things like that from uh, individuals throughout central Pennsylvania, throughout the United States. And I even have work with people uh, overseas. Um, there's a, a trans male in the United Kingdom that I've been working with now for over a year and a half. And um, he is living full time and doing very well. Uh, but it was very hard for him to transition over there. Um, my advocacy began going after the haters and bigots. Uh, you know, we had the American Family Association. We have Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, we had a couple other organizations. And uh, we also had Westboro Baptist Church. Um, I met with every one of those. And um, the worst meeting I had was with Westboro Baptist Church. They just chewed me up and spit me out. Um, I cannot imagine what that was like and how brave of you to meet with such people. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the part of an advocate to go out and, and be visible and, you know, spread awareness and educate, you know, and that's what I promised myself when I decided to become an advocate, probably a month after I transitioned. Um, you know, if there's anything I can do to help anybody else not go through what I did throughout my journey in my life, um, I will do that. Um, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a um, planner person that whatever I do, I always plan it first. You know, I always think about it. I always research it before I do it um, to make sure that that's the way I want to do it and it's going to work. Um, you know, but my advocacy then evolved into working with um, families and children. And I became a liaison for children in youth services in Cumberland and Perry County in Pennsylvania, and also a liaison and a advisory committee member for the CASA organization in Cumberland County and Perry County in Pennsylvania. So whenever they get a child services case that they feel, you know, seems like a gender issue or something like that, or they're not sure, you know, they'll call me in and I'll go meet with those people. Uh, so we all work together as a team, and there's probably like eight or nine members on the team. So um, right now I am working on four cases with uh, Children Youth Services, and I'm working with a lot of other individuals, you know, just on their transition and trying to guide them the right way. And, and you know, hopefully, you know, they can become, you know, their true selves and, and live happily ever after, you know, like I did. Um, but you know, unfortunately, a lot of us, that doesn't happen. Um, the other app part of my advocacy that I'm very fond of is it took me a year and a half to do this, but I helped an Amish male transition to female in the Amish community and remain there. Um, she also remained with her family in the Amish community. Uh, you know, that's a very long story in itself. And um, just to make it really short, I had to meet with the bishop and I had to meet with the ministers. I had to meet with the, all the members of the church, which totaled about 350. So um, throughout several meetings, you know, I, I met with the members of the church and explained to them what gender issues were and gender identity was. I had to do that with the bishop um, because their, their faith is very, very strict. And they do not condone homosexuality. And that's the first thing the bishop told me. And I said, it's not homosexuality. I said, it's gender identity and expression. And, you know, I explained everything to him. And it took like three meetings to get through all that. 
So um, it ended up that at the end, um, Amity came out to her parents and Amity's parents came out to the church. Um, I was present, present at all this. And um, the bishop own, has three, three districts and all three districts support and accept Amity for who she is. Um, and she did remain within the Amish community. And also the bishop called me or contacted me one day through another person because they don't have a phone or nothing. And um, I went and met with him again and they have a rule book, it's called the Ordnungs. And in that Ordnung, he rewrote the rule that gender identity and expression is accepted and supported in his districts. You know, so there I said, you know, if the Amish community can support and accept the trans people, what's wrong with, you know, our people? That's incredible. What an amazing story. I don't, I don't think that's just like a quick story for here. I feel like that's an entire book you could write. Yeah. yeah in fact, I am going to write a book on it and I have quite a few people that wanted to write a book on it. Um, but they wanted to be able to interview Amity and the family and that's a no, no. Um, you know, I cannot reveal where they are from and, and, you know, the real names. Um, Amity, Amity is her real name, but I can't remember, you know, reveal her, her last name, um, out of respect to their community, you know, so, um, they didn't want to write the book then since they couldn't, you know, interview those people. Um, but, you know, I'm going to write my own book and a friend of mine has an up and coming, has a son that's an up and coming producer in LA and he's interested in doing a mini series on it. So, um, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see where that goes, you know, if it's going to happen or if it's not, you know, so, but that'd be exciting. Well, you know, you're coming back here when your book and mini series launch, right? We're going to have a, <laughs> another episode. <laughs> well, by the time that, by the time that happens, I'll be in my rocking chair with white hair and <laughs> all <laughs> up, you know, <laughs> not with the way Netflix moves. I see this on Netflix in like a year, like the TV moves very fast now. All right. So before we lose you to Hollywood, um, you know, this, this is a story. I mean, so what were you, did you say a month, a month after you transitioned, you began your advocacy? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I've been advocating now for a little over 10 years, close to 11. Wow. All right. So take me back. Um, cause it, you make it sound like, you know, you've been doing this your entire life. Where are you from? What was your family like growing up? When did you when did you first realize that, you know, Janelle was inside of you? Um, it goes way back. <laughs> um, I was born and raised in a little town in Cumberland County, Pennsylvania called Wormleysburg. And we lived in that town most of my childhood. Um, I knew, just like most other trans people, um, that they were different around the age of six. Um, but nowadays, you know, that's even earlier than that, you know, it's around two, two years old. Um, you know, a child really knows who they are. Um, but, you know, around six years old, I can remember back that far that, you know, I, I knew I was different. I didn't know why or how. Um, there was no information back then. That was back in 1964. Um, you know, so there I gave you my age. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, um, 
knew I was different at about age six. And I started pretty much playing with um, girly things. And, you know, when we had family picnics and things like that growing up, um, I hung around with my aunts and my uncle or my aunts and my uh, female cousins. You know, I wouldn't do anything with the guys. Um, so I probably got in my early teens, maybe 14. And my dad started getting mad at me because, you know, I wasn't doing boy things. And, you know, I did whatever I could do throughout my whole childhood, you know, preteens and, you know, up in, in my six, seven, eight year old bracket to hopefully nobody would figure out that I had an issue. Um, because back then, like I said, there was no information. And if I would have told my parents, um, I probably would have been went to a psychiatrist and been put on Ritalin or something like that. Um, because they didn't know either. So, um, so in my teens, um, my dad, like I said, got mad at me because I wasn't doing any boy stuff. So he told me to go out and get some male friends. Um, I didn't want to do it, but I did it, you know, part of my hiding. Um, so I found two friends and they ended up being my best friends in the whole world. Um, and they taught me how to fish. They taught me how to hunt. Um, they taught me how to climb trees and all that stuff guys do, you know, um, they turned me into a motorhead. Uh, you know, we tore engines out of cars and replaced engines and transmissions and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, did I like it? No, I didn't like it. Did I like hunting? No, I didn't like hunting. Um, I don't really like killing things. Um, fishing, eh, it was okay, but it got boring because you just sit there and think about yourself and your life, you know. Um, you know, so I didn't like all that stuff. And in my late teens, probably close to 20, I distanced myself from all my friends. Because at that point in time, I was feeling more and more insecure of myself. And I didn't want my best friends and things to think that, you know, there was a problem with me um, because it was coming more and more prevalent. Um, so I distanced myself from my friends and my, uh, pretty much my family. Um, my mom and dad, I didn't see much of for quite a few years. And um, probably in my mid twenties, close to 30. Um, well, no, let me back up. When I was 22, I met my wife and um, we got married in 1980 and two months, I think it was two months or a few months after that, I told her that I liked, you know, wearing women's clothes and I felt feminine and things like that. And now why, why did you wait until after you were married? Did you think I've interviewed other people who thought that marriage would cure that impulse? Um, that's part of it, but I didn't want to lose her. You know, that she was the first girlfriend I ever had. Um, and you know, we, we, we hit it off. Um, most of it was because of the, um, four wheel drive truck I had, uh, you know, she was attracted to the truck more than me, <laughs> but, um, you know, it worked out, you know, and I worked for her parents, her parents had their own business and I worked for them. And that's kind of how we got together. Um, you know, so our first date was four wheeling up in the mountains in the snow. Uh, so that was kind of cool, but, um, you know, and so that's pretty much the reason why I didn't say anything. Um, plus, I thought, you know, it's nobody's business but mine. Um, you know, which now that I'm older and I'm out, you know, I was wrong in thinking that. But um, 
what, you know, we, what compelled you to tell her then since you had waited? Um, I started dressing and things when she went to work and I didn't have any clothes of my own. So I was kind of using hers. And a couple of times she came home and she said, well, you're in my drawers. I said, no. I said, why would I be in your dresser drawers? She said, well, everything's messed up. And I thought I put everything back the way I got it, but evidently I didn't. Um, but one thing I did realize, you know, after transition and living my true self for a couple of years, that a female knows when somebody's in her stuff. Um, you know, I can tell when somebody's in my stuff. Uh, so that made sense. So, but anyway, um, I started doing that and um, I would call off of my job off sick just so I could be myself um, while she was at work. And, um, you know, it got to the point that, you know, my employer ended up terminating me for that, missing too much work. Um, so I, I did lose my job there and I was on unemployment and it was very hard for me to be who I was. Um, so at that point, if I remember correctly, I started purging. Um, you know, before that I started, you know, getting some of my own clothes and things like that, but I started purging, I throw it away or burn it, whatever, you know, whatever I felt like doing. Um, and I was okay for maybe nine months to a year and it came back again. And I kept doing that for quite a few years and it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I just couldn't purge no more. You know, it, 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 that was me. So um, that brought me up probably to my 30s, my early 30s. Now, what was this time like when, you know, Cindy knew um, and you were, you were dressing at home? Had you started to go out yet and, and, and explore Janelle outside the house? No, I have not. Um, it did not go over good. She didn't want to see it. She didn't want to talk about it. Um, in fact, when I started going out in public, um, her and my daughter uh, went and hid so they wouldn't see me until I left. And when I went out before I came back home, I had a call, you know, just to tell them I'm on, on my way home so they could hide again so they didn't see it. Um, and that went on for many years. And, you know, I look back on that now and, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not proud of this at all, but that was a form of abuse. Um, you know, it wasn't physical abuse or anything like that. It was mental abuse, um, you know, and I will never, ever forgive myself for that, you know, and I think it needs to be talked about because it happens. Um, I'm the type of person that if, if it happens, I'm going to talk about it. Now, um, when Cindy talks about your early days, she's pretty hard on herself. Um, she said that she was, she felt she was not very kind to you how, how do you feel? I mean, abuse is a pretty strong word. Um, what is your message for other people in this situation and how they treat their spouses? Um, I think the biggest turning point in that part of my journey was one time she just stopped me. Um, she used to accuse me of going out and on dates with guys and things like that. Um, she thought I was gay, um, but I wasn't. And I told her one day, I said, you know, if you want to find out where I go, I always told her where I was going to go. I said, and if you don't believe I'm going there, I said, you can follow me. 
And she waited a week or two and she did follow me. And I do, do, did go where I was said I was going to go. Um, so she apologized for that. But um, it was around that time that she actually stopped me in my tracks. And she said, I want you to stop right now and put yourself in your shoes and see how you would feel if I was the one transitioning. And I'm telling you, that's very eye-opening. And, you know, I urge people to do the same, you know, because I didn't like what I saw. You know, I didn't like what I saw of her transitioning to, to, to male. Um, you know, so that kind of gave me an outlook on me that, you know, this is not all about me. And that's another um, big thing that I really preach about when I'm presenting and things like that, that, you know, this is not all about us. And my perspective of it, my belief is that, you know, our transition is very hard. Our journey is, is rocky. Our journey is smooth. Um, our journey includes a lot of hills and mountains we got to climb. But it's nothing like the journey that our loved ones have to go through, you know, to try to, um, you know, follow us and, and stay in love with us and um, support us. Um, and the reason I say that is because we as the trans person, we kind of know and see a dim light at the end of the tunnel by this time. And the people that are loved ones, you know, our spouses and our families, they look down that tunnel, they don't see any light. They don't know, you know, they have no idea how long they're gonna be in that dark tunnel. Um, you know, so that's why I like to reach out to um, the parents of children and, you know, individuals that are having issues with their families not supporting them and not accepting them. Um, Cindy and I team up a lot of times and, you know, she'll work with the spouse. I'll work with the trans person, um, you know, and we've saved quite a few marriages over the years. Uh, you know, so it can happen. And, you know, I think uh, with the... Um, the right demeanor and the way you present yourself as you um, has a lot to do with that. Wow. Yeah. I, you just, you just rendered me speechless, <laughs> which doesn't happen a lot on, on the show. Um, so at what point do you feel Cindy started to join you on the journey where she wasn't lost and alone at home waiting for you, but she started to hold your hand and say, let's do this together. Yeah, that came probably in my mid forties, close to, close to 50, um, where she actually went out with me for the first time. Um, she, she never went out in public with me. Um, you know, I started to kind of develop in a way that, you know, I really um, fit in with the, with the community and with the people. Um, you know, I, I no longer dress prov provocatively to draw, you know, draw attention to myself. Um, you know, and what, what that turning point was for me was um, one time I told Cindy I was going to the mall and I had a short skirt on six inch heels and, you know, all decked out to the, to the max. And, you know, we, we, at that point in our time, in our journeys, you know, we're kind of in the, the uh, teenage years, um, you know, so we want people to see us, 
you know, and I go to the mall like that. And one day she told me, she said, I want you to go to the mall. She said, I want you to sit in the bench and I want you to watch people and see what they're wearing, see how they act. So I did that. And I sat there and I, and some old lady come up and sat down beside me and we were talking and I was watching while we were talking. And I thought, you know what? There's nobody in here dressed like this. You know, no wonder everybody's staring at you, you know, making fun of you and laughing at you. You know, no wonder people are pointing at you and calling names, you know. And um, that was the day I bought my first pair of jeans. And, um, you know, I just, I just, you know, started being like everybody else. And I never, ever had an issue um, with um, any kind of discrimination or um, bad names called at me um, that I know of, you know, to my face. Um, I don't really care what people say about me behind my back. Um, you know, just so I don't hear it face to face, then I will handle it. But, um, you know, and, and I think that a lot of people that have issues, I think one of the key things is um, present yourself well. Um, you know, and I understand, you know, in our community, there's people that um, want to be who they are and, 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 you know, dressing um, to the to the hilt and everything is who they are, you know, and that's fine, um, you know. But in turn, you can't complain because people make fun of you, um, you know, and things like that. Which people shouldn't do that anyway. Um, you know, there, there's enough hate in this world, and and um, you know, we need to we need to stop it. But um, she started going out in public with me then and felt a little bit more comfortable. But she kind of walked behind me. You know, she wouldn't walk beside me, you know, the, at first. Um, and then one day we sat down and I was talking to her. I said, what, what's the matter? I said, you need to tell me. And this is where my four words of communication, honesty, trust, and respect come into play. Um, I sat down one night and I thought of this, you know, I don't communicate. I'm not honest with her. You know, she doesn't trust me because she accused me of going out with guys and stuff. And um, she don't respect me for who I am. So communication, honesty, trust, and respect, those four words in that order mean the world. And they can save a marriage. They can save a relationship. Um, they, they can do a lot of things. Um, you can't have honesty, trust, and respect without communication. You, you can't. Because how can you be honest if you don't communicate, if you don't know what you're communicating about? How can you be honest with anything? Um, you know, so um, I started practicing that and communicating more. And that's where um, I pulled her aside and I said, what's the matter? I said, you need to tell me what's the matter. And she said, I'm afraid somebody that I know is going to see me with you. I said, they're not going to know who I am. Just tell them you're out with a friend, you know, a girlfriend or whatever. And she said, yeah, but it's hard. And I said, I know it's hard. Well, then, you know, she started breaking down and stuff. And um, she she was afraid that people were going to think she was lesbian. Um, her co-workers and her friends, you know, if they would have seen her out with me all the time. And, um, you know, we had a conversation about that in pretty, pretty in-depth, um, you know, and I, I accepted that, that remark. And I told her, I said, you know, if if you can't do this, it's okay. I said, I will leave. I said, it'll be okay. 
And she just broke out in tears and she said, no, we'll make it work. Um, you know, we had, we believe in our vows, you know, for better or worse, richer or poorer, um, you know, and we strongly believe in our wedding vows and um, nothing's going to break us of that. Um, you know, so, you know, once she got over that, you know, it was, you know, her and I are out all the time, you know. Oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And yeah. you've, even, you've shared so much advice um, already. Do you have, before we bring Cindy out to join us, do you have any last pieces of advice for us? Um, I think like that, share? What's that? Anything you'd like to share with anybody who is thinking about transitioning and thinking about how to, how to come out to their spouse? Yeah. Um, remember one thing that it's not all about you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very adamant about that. Um, you know, it worked for me, it worked for Kiara, it worked for many other people. Um, Sarah, Sarah Grace, Kiara's fiance, I helped her with her transition. Um, she was a teacher in a school and, you know, I helped her come out at school. Um, you know, so the number one thing is it's not all about you. The second thing is be you. Don't be afraid to be you. Um, and make sure you communicate and you talk. You have to be very open. You have to talk. Um, you want to bring that visibility and awareness and education to your family, um, you know, because they're not going to get anywhere else. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, I get a lot of information off the internet and this and that. Well, a lot of that information is, you know, bull, um, you know, and um, you hear so many people also tell their story that, um, it was all roses, you know, their journey was all roses and everybody was happy all the time and merry all the time, you know, um, but, you know, I don't buy that. Um, you know, anybody can say that, but I will not, I will not believe that unless I saw it. Um, because, you know, we do have our ups and downs and we need to learn how to handle our ups and downs and also respect our loved ones, um, you know, for their um, uh, non-support of us um, because they don't know. They don't know. So it's up to us to teach them. You know, it's up to us to be out open and out to them. Um, you know, give them all the support you can. Um, in turn, that they should give you all the support that they can. Um, and that's one thing that I tell, especially the parents of children, um, you know, sit and listen. You have to be a listener you know, listen to that child or listen to your spouse or listen to your friend and give them that time to express themselves. Whether you like it or not, listen. And by listening, you could save someone's life. Extremely powerful words. Extremely powerful. Thank you so much, Janelle. Welcome. And next, um, I'd like it if, if you don't mind taking a few extra minutes with us, uh, grabbing Cindy back so that the three of us can chat together. Okay, hang on, I'll go get her. And welcome back, Cindy. Thank you for joining us along with Janelle. Hi. Hi. So one of the things I didn't ask you, Cindy, you shared um, about the story of how it was to come out to your daughter, Bonnie, and your grandchildren, but we haven't talked at all about your families 
you know, uh, your family, Cindy and Janelle's family, what was it like coming out to them together? Oh, your, your dad was, that was interesting. You want to tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, my dad, I wasn't going to even tell him because, um, he had a very serious heart issue and I was afraid if I told him because him and I were pretty close. Um, and I was afraid if I told him it would, uh, uh took his life. Um, but I knew that, you know, I had to tell him before anything would happen. So I'm a firm believer in anybody that is coming out to their loved ones and their family to do it in person. Um, you know, that's the best way to do it. Um, but with my dad, I could not do that. Um, so I wrote a three page letter, you know, of, of my intent on transitioning and, um, you know, I went back into my childhood, kind of like I did earlier in this conversation. And um, that way he could read the letter. And if there's any parts that he wanted to go back and reread that he didn't understand, he could do that. Um, and he did do that. You know, he read the letter once and then he went back and picked out pieces of it and reread it again. And he'd look up at me and go back to the letter. And I looked at Cindy the one time and I said, um, I think I'm in trouble. And she said, why? I said, because there's no expression on his face. And um, so he read the letter again and he looked at me and he said, this explains a lot. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, I know for a fact that when you were old enough to stay home, when we went away on vacation and stuff, that you were wearing your mother's and your sister's clothes. He knew that. Evidently. And I said, oh, I said, parents do know everything. <laughs> well, and Janelle, I think you said that you didn't get away with that with Cindy either. So I think you would have made the world's worst spy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, so we took him out to dinner after that and we left for dinner and he, my sister took him back home and in the car, I leaned in and he, he told me, he said, well, Janelle, he says, I'm so glad to, that you're my daughter. He said, I love you. And we hugged and he cried. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, he had a daughter ever since then and he passed away late 2019. So, um, you know, my mom never got to know me. Um, but, um, I think she does know, know me. Um, but, um, yeah. And then, then it was time to come out to Cindy's mom and I'll let her tell that story. <laughs> What was that like, Cindy? Uh, my mom was in assisted living. She's a little uh, conservative. So Janelle told her uh, she didn't believe it at first. She thought it was like a joke or something, but she came, she came around. She was more or less accepting of Janelle. I mean, maybe tolerant is a word. Yeah. And I think yeah, tolerance is a word. You know, and after I told her and, and Cindy and her were talking, you know, and, and Cindy said, no, it's true. It's true. It's real. It's real. Um, she looked at me and she said, well, she said, I need to know one thing. She says, what kind of underwear do you wear? <laughs> Why does she need to know that? No, that's yeah. my mother. <laughs> whether, whether, it's wearing, whether it's wearing guys underwear or women's underwear, I guess that's what she wanted to know, you know, and I said, you know, I just looked at her and I said, well, you know, what kind of underwear do you wear? You know. And then oh my God. she just goes, okay. <laughs> she didn't want to answer either. No, no, that's how she was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, well, and you know, so you, I was just asking you off camera about any vacations for this coming year, but you were saying, do you regularly vacation with your extended family now? No, we don't. It was something Bonnie decided she wanted to do and have my sister-in-law and their family come along this year on vacation. We were going to rent a big house. Well, then COVID happened. And I just spoke to my sister-in-law about it today. And we both decided, because we have another member of the family that was just in a hospital with COVID, that I think we're going to wait till 2022 to get down as a big group. But still, when COVID isn't happening, mm-hmm. two of you do gather with your family in big oh, yeah. groups. Yeah. 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 We go to amusement parks and concerts and things like that. And are yeah. there ever any issues? There haven't been. Nope. Yeah, there haven't been. And that's one thing that I got to be kind of proud of that. And I I mentioned this earlier that I never had an issue since I transitioned. Um, You know, I can go anywhere I want to go and do whatever I want to do. Became very active in the community at a lot of um, nonprofit organizations and volunteering. Um, Last year, I ran for Pennsylvania State Representative and I was the first openly trans woman to run for state elected office in PA. Um, And we was also inducted into the Rainbow Wave Library of Congress in Washington, DC. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. My run was unsuccessful, but I'm going to run again in 2022. Our campaign never stopped. Um, And I think that uh, Cindy was kind of um, not happy about me running um, for, for many reasons. And, um, you know, most of them were due to the hate issues. Um, you know, things like that, that she didn't want people, you know, coming up to her and saying, Oh, well, you gotta, and, uh, whatever running, you know, your hut, your whatever. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, that bypassed that went away. Um, Janelle, what's the future for you? So I know you're looking, so if you're looking towards a future in politics, what else is on the horizon for you? Um, I'm going to be advocating till they put me six feet in the ground. Um, the politics, I'm not a politician. I don't want to be a career politician. Um, you know, I'm running just to help the people. Um, I, so I want to be active in my community and continue um, serving the community in whatever fashions that I can. And what would it mean for you, um, Cindy, if Janelle goes through with another election? How was it in the last election? Did you receive the hate that you had feared and anticipated? I didn't receive the hate and fear that I anticipated, but I did get a lot of questions because I am I am my own business. Uh, I'm a realtor. So I do see the public quite frequently. So I did have to answer a lot of questions. Some of it was uncomfortable. So I, you know, if she's going to move forward with it, she's going to move forward with it. And I'll just have to figure it out. What are some of the questions where you like are just shocked that people would ask or, and what are some of the best answers that you can say, if, if this question comes your way, this is the answer that stops it in its tracks. Well, I'm a very private person when it comes to my business life. So most don't know that I'm married to Janelle and that came up. Who is she? What's my relationship to her? That type of thing. And I, I, business is business. I keep my personal life separate from it. That's understandable. That's understandable. 
So um, what else does the future hold for you two? Now, Janelle talked about how you go arm in arm together uh, supporting couples. She says that you've saved a lot of, helped save a lot of marriages. Do you see more of that joint couple advocacy in the future? I don't know. I'm kind of hoping to retire and kind of take the low life, you know, not in a spotlight. If she wants a spotlight, she can take it. I'd rather not. Well, when she, Cindy um, doesn't work with me constantly. Um, you know, she helps me out whenever I need it. Um, so if I'm working with a, a, a person transitioning and the spouse is having an issue with it, you know, I will ask Cindy before I say anything, you know, if she'd be willing to speak with this person. Um, you know, so I always give her that opportunity to say no. Um, and sometimes she does and sometimes she doesn't, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, twist her arm or, or make her have to say, you know, yes. Um, you know, she's her own person. She can make her own decisions and, you know, her decisions are final, um, you know, but, um, you know, and I think we respect each other for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we got to work together and, you know, we've worked together a lot better ever since transition. Um, you know, we became a lot closer and, you know, I'm, I'm a nicer person. At least I think I am. Um, I would never, ever before transition, I would never, ever have thought of being an advocate. Um, you know, I hated to be in front of people and, my job required me to do trainings and stuff. And I did whatever I could do to get out of doing that. Um, but once I transitioned, you know, bang, it's like the doors opened up and, you know, I am who I am. I don't have to be afraid of that. Um, and, you know, I just left my, my light shine. Did, could you ever imagined Cindy before that you would be visiting with couples and families in their living rooms, counseling them on their marriages through transition? No, no, never before. I didn't even know that we would be together after transition, let alone be where we're at today. Was there ever a time when you had thought about leaving? Yes. Yeah. Numerous times in the past before transition. What it, just, it was just difficult, all the binging and purging and empty promises that I won't ever do this again and lack of information and understanding of what, what it is, what transgender is. Are you able to verbalize what it is that made you want to stay? Heck, we've been together 40 years. I'm too old to start over. I know what I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, uh, it sounds to me like the two of you together have changed a lot of lives for the better. Thank you so much for all the work that you've done. Congratulations again, Janelle, on your award. Cindy, can you believe um, how she has gotten recognized for her advocacy through the state? It's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Well, very excited to see what the future holds for you both. Good luck in your next election, Janelle, and be good luck with you as well, keeping the business private from the election. I know that that can be tricky. 
Yeah, and that's one thing I will not do. I will not mix that with anything else, you know, in my personal life. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting. Thank you so much. Do you have any last words you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, just take one step at a time. Take one, one, I don't know, just don't rush to the finish line. It's a journey. Work together. Keep communications open. Janelle, any last words for you? Um, pretty much what Cindy just said. Um, I hit on that a little bit earlier. Um, communication, honesty, trust, and respect, you know, are very, very powerful words. Um, you know, and I encourage everybody to think about those words and use them. Um, and, you know, just just be you and, and you know, love, your, love yourself. I mean, love your family. Beautiful thoughts. So excited to see what the future holds for you both. Thank you for all the lives that you have fought to help advocate for and to share your story with. So very excited for you to come back um, on the show and chat with our audience live. Thank you so very much for your time today. We love all of you at home. Take care and we'll see you soon. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.